preaching on for the next four hours. Uh, this is found in the bulletin. This is Luke 5, 1 through 11. A very famous passage on Jesus calling the first disciples. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, he asked his, him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into a, the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For ye and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. The word of the Lord. Well, myself and my family are back from Florida from a nice relaxing time. Uh, the, the sunshine was great and uh, it was just good to kick back and relax. And it's nice to come back and there's sun streaming through the windows here. So we'd like to think that we brought a little bit of the Florida sunshine back with us. Um, but there were a host of opportunities to do some very fun things over when we were in Florida and I got to pursue one of my passions which, which is fishing. I don't know if you knew this or not but I'm an avid fisherman so I got to go deep sea fishing and I got to see some and catch some wonderful fish. In fact I've brought some uh, slideshow back of some of the fish I managed to catch while I was there. This is a striped bass, a sea bass. Uh, one of uh, the 20 that I caught, uh, simply by the word of my mouth, they jumped into the boat. It's a beautiful fish. I even went underwater to catch some fish. Uh, a sea grouper, that's me in the back, beguiling it into the boat with a hunk of cheese. Uh, it was wonderful. And it kept on getting more exciting as the week went on. This is another one that I managed to hook and you see it close to the boat as it tries to fight. I actually had it uh, weighed in at about two tons. Uh, there's uh, Frank, my boatman. He was so gracious as to put it for me. Here's another one. I did not manage to get this one. It was too cute. I thought about Shamu. I said this will be bad for the kids. And so this is the one who got away. But uh, this is the piece de resistance, uh, the sperm whale that I caught. Uh, this was by Harpoon. I got in a boat and uh, sought the whale and uh, called me Ishmael, but I did in fact kill the whale, the sperm whale. So it was a very, very uh, wonderful fishing trip in Florida. Why do I talk about fishing? Because this story is all about fishing. You know, to be a good fisherman, you have to understand what you're fishing for. It's much more an art than simply a science. And this story is all about the catching of fish. But it's not what you think it is about. It's about something different. We think about this story and we think about Peter and the catch of fish, but I want to suggest to you that this story is not about Peter, the fisherman, but rather about Jesus, the great fisherman. 
It's actually about three things. Number one, it's about Jesus the great fisherman. The fact that he is the one who is fishing. It's also about, point two, that we're the fish. That we're the ones that God is actually searching for. And then finally, number three, the exciting thing about this is that we get to be fishermen too. That Jesus is the great fisherman, we are the fish, and we get to be fishermen too. Because Jesus loved us, he caught us. And because we love him, we get to catch others as well. Well, let's take a look at some of these points. Number one, Jesus is the great fisherman. Notice this first part where he's speaking of the crowd. It says here, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the side of the lake of Gennesaret. Now think a little bit about this. The word Greek in pressing means literally pushing on, squeezing him, uh, shrinking him. The, the people are so interested in hearing what he has to say that they're literally driving him in the water. And he's realizing he needs to be able to communicate to all of these people. And so what does he do? He comes up with the strategy to get in a boat so he can step out from shore. You know, if it was just a crowd right here, he could stand to the side. But the crowd is literally ringing the, uh, ringing the sides of the uh, shore here on the rim all the way around. And so whose boat does he get into? He gets into Simon's boat. Now I find this interesting. All of these people have come to hear the word of God from Jesus. But there's a person there who has not come at all to hear the word. His name is Simon Peter. In fact, Simon's just sitting there mending his nets. It's where he always mends his nets. He's pulled up his boat. He's just sitting there and all of a sudden this crowd starts to gather around. He's not looking for Jesus at all. But Jesus is looking for him. See, Simon's not looking for Jesus, but Jesus is looking for him. Simon's on the job and so is Jesus. Jesus invades Simon's world. And before he knows it, Jesus has gone to Simon who's sitting around mending his nets, tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, could I borrow your boat? Would you mind taking me out a little bit so I could go ahead and speak to all of these people? Well, Simon's got his little world. He's working on his nets. But there's something about this Galilean that intrigues him. And so he sets down his nets he gets in his boat and he puts out from the shore. And Jesus begins to teach. It says he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And here is Simon who is sitting with the front row seat. The people are hungry to hear the word. It's the word from God. That's why they've come. Jesus seems to speak of heaven like he's been there. He speaks of God the Father as if it's His Father. His words are the very words of life. And now Peter, who is busy going about his own business, is listening. In fact, Peter is definitely a captive audience. There are no nets to clean. He's stuck in the boat. Jesus has gone fishing. And it's not for the crowd. It's for Peter. And so Jesus continues, tightening closer and closer. He gets uncomfortably close. After Peter has sat here and Jesus has spoken to everyone, you would think it would be time to go on the shore and sort of shake some hands, you know, and take some pictures with the people. But Jesus doesn't seem interested in the crowd at all. 
Rather, he says to Peter, let's go fishing. Go to the deep and let's put out the nets. And Jesus, Peter is confronted with this person that continues to seem to invade his personal space. Jesus, Paul thinks about my time and my career and my knowledge and what I'm doing and this person continues to push and push further and further. Jesus is very uncomfortable. He seems to keep wanting more. I remember when I was a senior in high school, there was a person that started coming around our school. His name was Jerry Leachman. I didn't have any sort of connection with things spiritual. I was not a Christian. I was not raised in a Christian home per se. We did the nominal things that everybody else did. But this Jerry was a very interesting guy because wherever I looked, he was. He had a son in the school. His name was Josh. But it seemed that he always showed up where I was. When I was at practice, Jerry was there. When I was at my locker, there was Jerry. When I was at the local pizza place, there was Jerry. It was like he was pursuing me. And lo and behold, he was. That God had put me on his heart to share the gospel. And so Jerry continued to get closer and closer and closer. Jesus is the fisherman. And I want to suggest that he is pursuing you. You are being stalked. See, you were minding your own business at some time, mending your own nets, and lo and behold, there he is. I don't know what your boat is. Maybe you're an accountant. You're busy doing your thing as you've done it forever, but it seems like spiritual conversations keep coming up. Seems like when I go to the gym that I start to hear things. I start to hear people are approaching me. When I go home, when I turn on the TV, lo and behold, there's some sort of spiritual message. It's like somebody's honing in on me. I want to suggest to you that Jesus is not for the crowd. Jesus is pursuing Peter and Jesus is pursuing you because he wants you. But I'm the ugly fish. I'm the fish that nobody wants. Nobody pursues me. I'm the one swimming over in the quarter. I'm not very exotic, kind of boring. Why would he pursue me? Why did he pursue Peter? Because before the foundations of time, Jesus knew Peter. He made him. He knit him. He set his affections on him. And Jesus delighted in Peter. And so Jesus that day chose that lake so he could be near that person and chose his boat so he could be with him. Because Jesus knows how to pursue you and to get to know you. And the word that is being preached is not a word for everyone. It's a word for you. And so my question for you is this. Will you allow him to get close? Will you let him into your boat? Into your life? Will you consider the fact that the God of the universe, the one who created all things and sustains them, is pursuing you? What the gospel is saying, and what I'm saying to you, is to take it personally. Take him personally. 
dare to believe that God is leading you into an encounter with himself. Whether you're a teenager, an elementary school person, seven, kid 70 years old, it doesn't matter. God is pursuing you. Will you lift your head and look around? Whatever your circumstances right now, they are designed for you to encounter him. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And so pay attention. You're not the fisherman. You're the fish. And Jesus is pursuing you because he wants to catch you. Well, Peter finally figures it out that he's the fish. And Peter gets caught. Peter exercises faith as Jesus comes to him and says, Put down your nets. Let's go into the deeper water for a catch. And Simon answered, verse 5, Master, we toiled all night, and we took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Now everybody knows that you fish at night on the Sea of Galilee. Nobody fishes during the day. And of all people that know this, it would be Simon, who owns a fishing business. Now, you don't really go to like a vocational technical school to learn fishing. The way you learn it is from your parents who learned it from their parents. And so Peter has grown up his entire life on this sea. He knows every reef, he knows every inlet, he knows every pocket. And that night they spent all night looking for fish and there was nothing. But Jesus is getting personal, isn't he? Master, we've toiled all night. See, Peter knows there's something about this guy. This word in Greek, master, means uh, something like an owner of a company or a, a governing official. He's an important person. He's special. But he is a carpenter at the end of the day. And carpenters don't know anything about fishing. Shall I trust this carpenter to explain to me how to fish? Ha! Master, we've toiled all night. But at your word, I will let down the nets. At your word, I'm willing to believe what it is that you have to say. And so when they had done this, verse 6, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink. Think about this. They drop the nets trying to catch the fish and it's really the fish who are catching the nets, aren't they? It's like they're swarming to try to get in the net. Just like that, immediately. Now these nets, these fishing nets, are built for strength. Okay, think how many generations have gone into making and mending nets. Their tolerance is built into them because they understand what are the limits that any haul that anyone would ever take in the history of anyone's knowledge. And yet these nets began to break. And these boats, fishing boats designed for fishing that were built to withstand the storms that came up upon the sea... They were built for storms, but they were never ever built for the concept of fish overflowing because that simply doesn't happen. And yet it says that there was so much fish that the boats began to sink. And it's here where Peter realizes. But when Simon Peter saw it, 
he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. Peter said, This cannot be happening. All my life I've been on this lake and I've never seen this. Fishing boats are not in danger of capsizing from fish. And he realized who this was and he fell on his knees. And he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. The fish were gone. His eyes were on this one who had made this happen. And he said, depart from me. Why? Because I'm sinful. I don't want you to see me. What would you do if you came face to face with the God of the universe and were laid bare in front of him? Imagine Peter's thoughts before this happened. Who's this guy think he is? Lay down the nets. All right. It was there that his soul was bared before God and he fell on his knees and he covered his face and said, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy for you to be here with me. I don't deserve you to be pursuing me. Leave. But where's Jesus going to go? Where's Peter going to go? Peter's trapped. The noose has been set. The line has been sent out. The lure is in Peter's mouth. See, Jesus did not come to take life from Peter, but he came to give life. No, if you've ever caught a fish before, but there's something uh, that looks like sheer terror when you lift a fish out of the water. It's the terror of, I don't belong out of this water, and I am being taken by forces I cannot control. This is the feeling of Peter as he is in the grasp of the one who made the universe. But what does Jesus say? Just three words that transform a life. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But I am afraid, Lord. I'm terrified. You don't need to be, Peter. I know everything about you. And I'm the one who pursued you, remember? You weren't looking for me, but I was looking for you. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Isaiah 43 says it this way, But now thus says the Lord, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. See, Jesus has approached Peter to rescue him. He's the gentle fisherman who even though the fish says, Throw me back, Lord. I can't stand to be in your presence. Jesus never does that. He simply says, Don't be afraid. And then he gives him a new identity. Not Peter the fisherman. Not even the Peter the apostle yet. Peter, my son. I want you to be with me. I've pursued you. Some people say this phrase, we've been saved to serve. We've been saved to serve. Jesus has done his part and now it's time for us to do our part. Let me suggest to you that that is a horrible theology. We've been saved to be loved. 
We've been saved because God has delighted in us and set his affection on us. Why? Because he wants to. Remember reading a story to my kids. It's called The Runaway Bunny. Anyone ever read The Runaway Bunny? And it's fantastic. And it's all about this bunny who's talking to his mom. And he says these different things to his mom. He says, there was a little bunny, who, well this is the story, who wanted to run away. So he said to his mother, I am running away. If you run away, said the mother, I will run after you, for you are my little bunny. If you run after me, said the little bunny, I will become a fish in a trout stream and I will swim away from you. If you become a fish in a trout stream, said his mother, I will become a fisherman and I will fish for you. If you become, and then he says, if you become a rock and the mountain high above me, I will become a mountain climber and I will climb to where you are. If you become a mountain climber, said the little bunny, I will be a crocus in a hidden garden. And if you become a crocus in a hidden garden, said his mother, I will be a gardener and I will find you. But I will become a bird and fly away from you. But if you become a bird and fly away from me, said his mother, I will be a tree that you come home to. And it goes on and goes on and goes on as the little bunny tries to run away and the mother says, I will always come. And so at the end, the little bunny says, shucks, I might as just stay here and be your little bunny. And so he did. Have a carrot, said the mother bunny. <laughs> Isn't that a picture? Peter wants to run away. Not because he knows his father, Heavenly Father, but because he doesn't know him and he's afraid of him. Where can I go from your spirit, says the psalmist? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn or if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The God that we worship is a pursuing God. And so Peter, ashamed, exposed, laid bare before the Son of God, surrendered to Christ's love. Have you? What bait worked with you? The bait that God uses is the amazing, unconditional, undeserved grace of Jesus Christ. Has it captivated your heart? You may be a Christian, you may be on the team, you may know it's right, and you know you have something to add by joining in the cause. But religion is something that you've used to always keep God at arm's length. I do my part and you do yours. You stay in your space and I stay in mine. But Jesus refuses to have that kind of relationship. Have you ever allowed yourself to be captured by the love of God? Have you ever been hooked by grace? Go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Don't be afraid. And so each one of us must stand before this uncomfortable God who refuses to hold us at arm's length. And we must fall down on our knees and ask the question, will you take me as I am? Messy, screwed up, selfish, sinful. We must open our mouths and say, will you catch me?
Because it's only then that you'll receive the grace of God who says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. Because Jesus loved us, he caught us. And this brings me to my final point. Because we love him, we get to catch others. We get to be fishermen as well. Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now think about this. This is the greatest day in the small business of Peter Fishing and Incorporated. He is bringing in literally the mother load. Okay? He can do a whole lot with this load, okay? And yet, Peter has a new identity, a new purpose that's bigger than simply himself. Christianity is not simply personal transformation. It's not a self-improvement program. No, it's much bigger than that. Jesus says, what I've done to you I want you to do for others. It's bigger than simply this boat. What I'm showing you is not only myself, but my kingdom, my reign that is coming. And I want you to participate in it. We read earlier in the scriptures that all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against him. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. If you are a Christian, if you have fallen before the knees and experienced the grace of Christ, you can never be the same. Jesus invites us into a relationship, but he also invites us into a kingdom transformation. Come and follow me. And so Peter has to decide. That was a very powerful religious encounter. I'm going to go back to the shore and I'm going to think about it and it's going to be business as usual. Or I can embrace God's calling on my life. Peter was an apostle. God called him to do this. He gave up his fishing. He went about his business. He went about the Lord's business. You know, God is not always calling you to give up your job. Not necessarily calling you to go overseas, but He is calling you to be a fisherman. All of us have a ministry. Did you know that? You're a minister. I'm a pastor who also ministers, but you are a minister. You may ask the question, what's my ministry? I'm not in the band. I hate kids, so I can't teach. Usher? Eh. I don't really have a ministry. Those are all your secondary ministry. Your primary ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. What Jesus said to Peter, he says to you and me. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. We have the opportunity and goal and mission and design to proclaim. It was Spurgeon's that said every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. We're all missionaries. God's using us. Will he use me? Peter said, I want this. But maybe you're saying, how can he use somebody like me? That's the whole point. That he 
can use someone like you. So it's that He gets the glory and the credit. Because our task is not to testify of ourselves, but rather to God's grace. Because we face a humanity that is too precious to neglect. We know a remedy for the ills of the world too wonderful to withhold. We have a Christ too glorious to hide. And we have an adventure that is too thrilling to miss. The opportunity to breathe life into someone. As Christ did it through someone into you. I don't know if you've ever been there. Ever had the opportunity to see the light go on as you shared with someone the gospel and they had the realization of God's irresistible grace and they crumbled under it. It is the greatest honor and privilege. It's something that God wants to use you to do. Some people, God uses them in an unbelievable way. They speak and fish just jump into the boat. Other people, you're just part of the process. Sharing a little bit here and there. But you will understand what it means to be a fisherman when you go about the Lord's business. Peter would probably have freaked out if Jesus said, go and do this. But no, what he said is, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. See, Jesus says, if you go and make disciples, as you go and make disciples, I will be with you. And I will give you my word. But I don't have the words to proclaim. I can't speak. I don't know what to say. You ever heard Billy Graham speak? It's really not that impressive, frankly. He's just quoting scripture. I mean, he's got a great voice, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, he's just quoting scripture. But it is the power of salvation for those who believe. God gives you his word. And he gives you himself. And he says, go and fish. Your calling is greater than simply being a mother or a businessman or a student. All those things are powerful and important and there are assignments in your life. But your call is to be an ambassador for Christ. In your circumstances, with your crowd where God has put you, with your gifts, you may not be very good at speaking to people about Christ, but you're great at bringing them. You may not be great at preaching the gospel, but you're wonderful with a person over a cup of coffee. It's Jesus who brings the fish. I remember when I felt God's call to go to the pastorate, into the pastorate, I was minding my own business, a quote-unquote successful businessman with my own life and my own deal. Sure, I was an ambassador for Christ, but he said, I have something more for you. This is what I want you to do. And I had a choice. See, we have to make a decision to say yes to the answer long before we know the question. Wherever you put me, whatever the circumstances, that we will pursue that runaway bunny no matter where you go. Do you want to live an ordinary life or do you want to catch men and women? Because this church plant is a boat that you're fishing from. And we're growing. We're growing slowly. But what would happen if we took seriously Christ's command?
we participated, you would see wonders. At the very least, to be a member of Redeemer says to bring one person to try to sponsor them by God's grace into membership. I can't do this alone, you might say. You don't have to. Because we're in it together. A bunch of fishermen. Seek first His kingdom. When you decide to live like this, you will see your neighbors differently. You will see the person at the checkout counter differently. You will see the person that you despise at work differently because you will see them with spiritual eyes. Be captivated by Christ's grace. Because Jesus loves us, He caught us. And because we love Him, he get, we get to catch others. It's my sincerest hope that you've experienced God's grace and if you haven't, you need to swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. Fall on your knees. Ask the question, do you really love me? Will you really pursue me no matter where I go? Because Jesus says, yes. Have a carrot. <laughs> Jesus is the great fisherman. And we are the fish. And by God's grace, we get to be fishermen too. Let's pray. Lord, even if I settle on the far side of the sea, will you come for me? Even if I make my bed in the depths of hell, will you come? Lord, your love is a pursuing love and you are the great fisherman. You corner us. Lord, you expose us to our sin and simultaneously to your grace. Lord, I pray if there's one person in this room who has not experienced what it means to be accepted and captured by your grace, that they would fall on their knees and hear your message, don't be afraid. Lord, and I pray that we would see our lives in a new way. Lord, that our vision would be bigger than simply personal enlightenment or getting all that this world has to offer, Lord. But rather, we would participate in your kingdom. Lord, that we could be a part of sharing the greatest message. That we would be able to see people come from death to life and then come back together and talk about it and celebrate it as a family. Lord, we give all of these things to you in Christ's name. Amen.